0: Chapter 50 of Souls for Sale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Souls for Sale by Rupert Hughes. Chapter 50 Tom Holby called on Mem the following evening. He had so earnest a face, so longing a manner that she had not the heart to tell him at once of her triumph over Ned Ling and her engagement to play the leading role in his next farce. But Holby seemed to realize that something had happened to take her a little farther out of his parish. There was a fugaciousness in her manner and independence of him that terrified him. He grew as flat-footedly direct and simple as one of the big, bluff, he-men he so often played. He actually twirled his hat running his fingers round and round the brim as he did when he was a cowboy making love to a gal from down east he was as sheepish as will rogers playing romeo but not so shriekingly funny his very boorishness pleaded for him and if mem had been free of this new hunger of hers for a taste of comedy she might have taken pity on him lovingly but she was in a mood of deferment at least and her smiling teasing manner baffled him In his confusion, he noted a bundle of letters in his pocket and, for lack of other topic, pulled them out. This is a pack of letters that came to the studio just as I was leaving, he explained. I stuffed them in my pocket. Haven't had a chance to look them over, mostly mash notes, I guess. He took out the lot and riffled them over like a pack of cards. If they think we movie people are fools, what have they got to say of the public that deluges us with this stuff? Here's one let's see what it's like he read from a welter of passionate script dear mr holby if i could only tell you how much i admire you you would be the proudest man on earth there's a picture of you on my bureau now but it's only a clipping from a sunday supplement i take it out only when the door is locked mama would skin me if she knew i had it i turn it away when i dress but oh i do just admire you so much if i could only have a real photo of you to kiss good night how proud i'd be won't you please send me one with your own really truly autograph on it you are my favorite of all actors so manly and virile and handsome oh i just tom shook his head and stuffed it back in its envelope will she get the photograph said mem with the scorn of one woman for another oh yes we can't afford to antagonize a single fan my secretary will send her a picture and autograph it for me who is your secretary a girl holby slid a glance of eager query under his eyelids he hoped that there was a tinge of jealousy in her heart that would be vastly encouraging but her eyes revealed contempt only for men and the parasitises that haunt them no he's a man said tom dolefully combination of press agent valet dresser and secretary The next letter had a Philippine Islands postmark. It was from a man in Cebu. It said, Dear friend, Kindly please send me a copy of your sympathy portrait. Hoping to receive it in your benevolent reply. Many thanks for my best wishes. He read a few more. They represented a cosmic clientele. But he saw that they were boring mem and put them back into his pocket. Brave man, she said. You open your mail in the presence of the woman you you i love and expect to marry he said gripping her hand it was a grip of authority it was cupid the constable so different from the pathetic clutch of ned ling the clown child just now it was mem's humor to control somebody she did not oppose holby's clutch or resent it she followed the most loathsome and exasperating of all policies non-resistance You're not going to marry me, Tommy, she said. I don't want to be one of Solomon's wives. Solomon's wives? Yes. You're wedded already to an army of fans. Half the women in the United States seem to claim you as their spiritual bridegroom. I'd as soon marry a telephone booth or a census report. You make Brigham Young look like a confirmed bachelor. He had only forty wives or so. You have a million. They make me tired. Maybe, but... What wouldn't they do to me? I'd get poisoned candy or infernal machines in the mail. I'd never dare marry you. It would be committing suicide. She was not altogether without seriousness. She felt a primeval jealousy, a primeval sense of monopoly. She writhed at the thought of possessing only a minute fraction of a universal husband, a syndicated consort whose portrait on a thousand bureaus inspired numberless strange women with an ardor they called artistic admiration as the medieval girls and spinsters set up images of saints and made violent love to them under the name of religion clothing amorous raptures and pious phrases and burning with desires that they interpreted as heavenly yearnings mem turned green at the thought of a husband whose real lips she must share with actresses on the scene and whose pictured lips would be kissed good-night all around the world it was a monstrous, fantastic jealousy, but its foundation was real. She shuddered at the prospect of being embraced by a husband whose virility thrilled a multitude of anonymous maenads If all these idiots wrote, how many must there be who worshipped in silence? But she did not express this revulsion to Tom Holby. She did not really feel enough desire for him just now to be jealous, except with a prophetic remoteness. Just now she was curious about another type of soul, about a comic sprite. She felt sure that no women wrote Ned Ling love letters or set him up as an icon on a bureau. Ned Ling's pictures were not sifting around the globe, sending fool girls aglow, for Ned Ling's published portraits were always grotesque. He was photographed with a caricatured face of white chalk and a charcoal grimace, with a nonsensical hat and collar becoming almost as familiar now as Charlie Chaplin's neat slovenliness, his mustaches, and his splayfoot shoes. Surely Ned Ling was free from the amorous bombardment of anonymous love letters. A woman might stand a chance of keeping his heart for her very self, and it would be cheerful to have one's own comedian on the hearth. Thinking these things, Mem said, "I'd be jealous of your public, Tom." it is a big one and you've got to be true to it i suppose it's because i've got none of my own i've hardly had a letter yet that's because your first picture is only being released now just wait you'll be snowed under and would you like it if i read you a letter from some man in oklahoma who had my picture on his bureau and kissed me every night good night no would you be jealous yes i'd want to kill him Really. There was a pleasant thrill in this a thrill that will be a long time dying out of the female soul the excitement of stirring up battle ardor in two or more males Mem went on teasing yet exploringly and would you kill any man who put me on a shrine and worshipped me no i'd realize that that was part of the penalty of loving a great artist there's a penalty about loving a stupid woman that nobody else cares for too I'd realize that you have a right to the world's love and I'd be proud of you however much it hurt I shouldn't lift my finger to hamper your glory she was just about to kiss him lightly on the nearer ear for the fervor of the first part of his speech but the last line checked her there can never fail to be a little something disappointing about a love that is willing to share its prey with anyone else even if it is with everyone else perhaps to punish this sickly saintliness She told him flatly now that she was going to be Nedling's leading lady. This hurt him as much as she hoped. "'It's a come-down for you,' he said. "'It's a setback. You'd have been the next big star in the emotional field. Now you'll be swallowed up in a comic two-reeler. Ling never gives anybody else any credit in his pictures. All you'll do will be to stand round and feed him.' "'Feed him?' "'Yes,' do things and say things that will give him a funny comeback. this was a trifle dampening if he had held to that line of argument he might have turned her aside but as always he had to say too much besides as i told you ned ling always makes love to his leaning lady he quarreled with the last one miss clave because she wanted more publicity she wanted to get a laugh or two herself and a line or two in the advertisements this stirred in, ma'am, a double emotion, one of curiosity, one of self-confidence. She had had Ned Ling clinging to her fingers like a baby. She could wrap him round one of them, no doubt. Because Miss Clave failed, that did not prove that a wiser woman would. Holby did not quite persuade her to refuse the opportunity with Ling, but he sent her to it with misgivings. He put a fly in the ointment. There are always flies in ointment. A few days later, a wasp fell into her ointment. She received one of the first of the numerous letters that were to swarm about her path. End of chapter 50. Recording by Diana Beauvais.